Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. What's up, everybody? It's Joel Lapumer. You are listening to the Complex Sneakers Podcast. As always, I have my two guys here with me, Mr. Matt Welty. It's a lovely Tuesday. And, of course, Mr. Brendan Dunn. How's it going, buddy? I'm here. It's it's really nice out. I kind of no offense to my friends, but I wish I wasn't here. I, I wouldn't mind if we were shooting this outside. Let me let me put it that way. It's beautiful out, and I think it's going to get tougher for us to be inside shooting this midday, especially when the temperature in New York City is rising and normalcy is creeping back in. I yeah. saw I saw a meme that was like when it goes above sixty, and it was like everyone in New Jersey, and it was Polly Walnuts holding out the yes, the, refle- I saw that. the, the I saw reflective that. thing going tanning. It's very funny because I, I essentially reenacted that Pauly Walnuts scene yesterday at a coffee shop in Long Island, and I forgot who I was FaceTiming, and I just picked uh, – I FaceTimed someone. They picked up, and I was just literally just holding the menu like this, like Pauly Walnuts. So it is it, New Jersey and maybe Long Island a little bit too. Man, normalcy sounds nice. Did we already talk about our vaccination situation? How, how deep are you guys into that right now? I haven't even, I haven't even looked it up yet. We're we're progressing. I'll leave it at that. Okay. I mean, you you seem comfortable talking about it, and okay, because <laughs> I mean, you, you, you I'm, keep I'm just bringing happy it up. That I have I have one of them. I know. Did I, do I keep bringing it up? My apologies. A little bit. No, I, no, I have no one apologies. Shot you're al- you're yeah, you're allowed. And you had a little soreness, but you overcame. Is that true? Yeah, I'm, I'm okay. feeling okay. And then I have the next one in a couple. I know it's like the cliche thing to talk about right now, and everybody just asks people for small talk with what's going on with their vaccine. But do, do you, you guys know? remember when you had to get like the tetanus shot as a kid? I don't remember that. I don't you know remember what? that. You no. know what I realized? <laughs> Actually, okay, disclaimer, my mother is not an anti-vaxxer. Let me just say that before we get into oh, this. But <laughs> I realized that I didn't get a lot of the shots that you were supposed to get when I was a kid. I remember changing schools and things like that or going on to the next school. And I remember there always being a little snafu at the start of the year with the principal's office or something being like, why doesn't this kid have his shots or something? So I feel like I was missing <laughs> Brendan some was like crucial a, shots. One of those wild kids living out in the woods in Idaho getting, I mean, raised, getting raised by wolves. Kind of. Kind of. Yeah. But, but again. Not because my mom was an anti-vaxxer. Let me just okay. let me just put that out there. All right. I just remember it felt like someone like punched you in the arm like really really hard for like three days, and that was the worst. Yeah, and you're I feeling feel. good. Yeah, feeling feeling relatively good. Do you know what else we feel really good about, Brendan? What? The fact we bought structured triaxes this morning. Yes. yes. What was Shout that all Riley about? Jones. I saw that. I saw that in the Slack. What were you guys talking about? Riley Jones is great. He'll at, just pop up oh, and, and boom, he's got the link for you. So uh, I've been I've been anticipating the structure triax retro for forever. Wealthy, I'm sure you feel similarly, even though I know you yes. didn't really have designs of buying it. But we were just casually talking about it this morning. Riley Jones, 
uh, of Soul Collector slash Complex Sneakers fame, a crucial member of the team, pops out with the link. And we hopped on it right away and we bought them from Hibbit Sports. The issue was is that I had the shoe back in 2008. Right. The only time it's retroed before. The only, t- the only time it's retroed. And I got it in a size 12. I wear 11, maybe sometimes 11 and a half. Mm-hmm. And as I How told did you, you have the 12s? My friend bought them for me. Uh, my friend Dave at the time was like, hey, it's the last size left at a store. Do you want them? I was like, you know what? Screw it. Like, yeah. I know I'm. And this was pre-stock X and everything, so it's like I'm not going to be able to track it down that easy. And as you guys know, and as I showed everyone on social media, my right foot is fairly small. <laughs> um, that I, I kind of got roasted for, but going up the extra size made it even worse. And I had to stuff the right shoe with like this three is on inch- your triaxis, not the on my triaxis. Okay, okay, yeah, okay. with like three inches of toilet paper to like make wow. up for the difference. In the oh. sneakers, so I'm glad to finally have the shoe in your size, in, in my size, because I had it for all these years, and like every time I wore it, I felt like yeah. And, and I think this new retro is supposed to be considerably better than the last one. I never owned the last one, Welty. So the shoes from '91, mm-hmm. like you said, I think it came back out in 2008, and now it's back out in 2021, which we're happy about. But from what I understand, the 2008 pair is a little iffy, right? Paint chipping, toes crinkling. Yeah. Up. I think all the shoes from that era like weren't that great. Oops. Yeah. That's great, and I'm glad that you guys got them. We all know Riley Jones' best assist ever. Do we want to say it in unison, though? I I know. Well, well, he knows the the purple the purple New yeah, Balance, yeah, yeah. the purple New Balance nine nine two, and that is a good segue because we got some sneaker news, and I've been waiting. I haven't heard much from our New Balance correspondent about this but <laughs> sunday easter sunday it gets announced teddy santis is now the creative director of made in the usa new balance how are we feeling congrats to teddy i told you guys every time i was and i don't go there that much especially because of the pandemic but every time i went to ame and on mm-hmm. mulberry he would be on the phone and i would be like oh who, who are you talking to and like so many times it was like, uh, oh, it's just like Joe from New Balance. So mm. big, big creative director role at New Balance made in USA starting 2022. How do we feel about that move? I think it's just a need to wait and see sort of situation. Uh, you know, I, I I think that there's obviously things that he's going to do that are going to be interesting and good for the brand. And obviously having someone around that lends the sort of expertise of like what's cool and what's not cool, I think is always a good thing and teddy at least recently has a good track record of kind of like appreciating the classics across the board and like not really playing into hype which i think is nice and i guess the only like skepticism i have in my mind is that like what's made new balance great for so long is that they haven't really like uh like wavered with trends they've just kind of like been the company you know notoriously up until I think the early uh, the 2010s, the motto of the brand was endorsed by no one. Mm-hmm. So to bring in so a big name, I guess like some of the hardcore New Balance people are like, may, might feel a little skeptical about it because Made in USA just isn't hype collaborations. It's a bigger umbrella that, you know, involves like walking shoes and all yeah. that. So I don't know how that role is going to affect that portion of the company. At large, because when I think of Made in USA, New Balance, I don't think of hype sneakers. You think of 990s and just... Yeah, just sort of generic yeah. good shoes Gray that like suede. people like like to wear. So I don't know how much of a budge but, 
Yeah, but let's it be needs- honest. A lot, some of his past collabs, because of Ame, it's going to be hyped. But the models weren't flashy. Yeah, no, for yeah. sure. You know what I, I mean? mean? Like, like the so, so that's wasn't where, anything until that's, that's what I mean. That. Like, yeah. like if it was, you know, if it was these sprinkle colored kind of makeups and mm-hmm. and they were more but teddy's aesthetic seems like it was wasn't really made for hype it just we always talk about it you go into yeah, the city sure. it's the first shoot you see like i even hit you guys up like uh two weeks ago i went for breakfast and it was the one the 550s in like downtown new york you see it all over the place but yes. yeah really excited about it and um we'll see and and starting in 2022 interested to see I'm just so happy to hear those insights from Wealthy in terms of the hardcore New Balance enthusiasts because I feel like yeah. this is the type of move, and this is no disrespect to Teddy or his body of work, but this is the type of move that the people who have been rocking with the brand for 15, 20 years, 25 years might be upset about. And I know Wealthy's in those kind of group chats, so so I know he's seen some of those responses. I'm not, I'm not like, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not like, I'm not angry about it. It's just, yeah. I think sometimes there's like you said like people have been rocking with it for so long and then there's some people who feel like we know people who have been on this for 20 years and then right. someone has been on it for two years but then they get gifted the keys to the car so were you that, up were you up for the position no i'm not i'm not i'm not one of those people i'm okay. not one right, of those right, people right. there are know, just people like, who yeah who view it in in that extent like who are you to become like the 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 ringleader of this ship right that's all okay i do think that's a skewed view but that's a, that's a deeper conversation yeah for sure and what else i wore those tune max all weekend long and i cannot co-sign enough they were, yeah, yeah just I such a such a such a great shoe, super comfortable, all black. I done. I think you know you. We talked about your all Nike black fit. I think it'd be a good <laughs> look for you. I'm not. Single, I'm not pushing. Uh, I'm not pushing here. a pair of sneakers on you. But the Tune Max passed the whole Easter weekend test. So now let me ask. Maybe maybe you don't really know, but were those hard to get? I mean. I, I couldn't tell if that was a shoe that people were going to be going crazy for. I feel like every shoe sells out right now, but was was that shoe difficult? I, I got them a little early uh, and a little over retail. Okay. Sometimes you don't know how to. I, I can't tell. Yeah. So if it's you, in you that, you don't know fit, if you have to cash in a favor. Or it's not. A, and it's actually a good strategy. I don't know if you guys agree. If it's like fifty dollars more than the retail price, I get them early, and then if it's easy to get, then okay, that's great. And Double if up. not, and if not, I, I went up fifty dollars, but I got them a little early, so. I think it's one of those shoes too that like like you said it's hard to gauge because yeah. there may be like a early like Nike's like sneaker release or like a UK release on the shoe mm. and it sells out the first drop and everyone's like oh shit I can't get it you know but then when all these other retailers continuously drop it it's not going to be as hard cuz once people see that there's only like a $20 margin on the resale, people aren't going to go all out, you know, yeah. to try and get them. The other thing is, you get DMs when you post them. What are these? By you know, for sure, yeah, Always some, a good feeling. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some, some just not aware of like the history, but you know what, wealthy that that math around trying to figure out whether or not you have to buy them right away is yeah. some of the same math we were talking about about the triax, where yeah. we weren't sure if people really cared about the structure triax retro, and we were thinking on the Soul Collector team, can we wait a little bit? Can we wait till these things go on sale, like some of the Air Max retros in the past couple of years? You can't do that nearly as much as you used to be able to, but I... I, I was even a little hesitant when we purchased our pairs because I was like, man, I feel like I could scoop these with a twenty percent off somewhere. But well, I think I think too that with that sort of stuff, it's like 
people are so people think that they're not able to get anything on sneakers so when anything pops up on sneakers people are like oh let me just try at it of course you know or not not to do a pun um but (laughs) you said try at it (laughs) yeah oh wow (laughs) but they just they just try and i i feel like maybe it's in smaller numbers but a good portion of people ended up getting those in the first place were like yes i finally won on sneakers and then they realized what they want and they're like oh man why did i get this shoe (laughs) Speaking of winning, did you guys watch the NCAA championship I did. game last night? Gonzaga got the big L. Well, oh. we wa- I watched two games yesterday, as you guys know, well documented in the Slack. I'm a diehard Mets fan. Of ben Felderstein ben, ben disagrees. Of course. In, kind of an inside joke, but I did watch the Met game. And then I was, me, you know, we were going at another colleague, Mike DiStefano, and, and he's a Phillies fan, and the Mets were winning 2 nothing. And then, of course, the bullpen blew the game. And the Mets lost. And then I turned on the national championship game, and I was like, I'm going to have a really big Monday night sports yeah. night. And yeah. it was a blowout. So, ne- so not particularly interesting. Yeah, not interesting. Not interesting. <laughs> but you know what? I was I was really upset too because obviously I'm rooting for the Oregon Ducks, or I hope it's mm-hmm. obvious at this point. But mm-hmm. I, I think I said on here as well that Gonzaga was a big deal. When I was yeah. growing up, where I was yes. growing up, so yeah. I was ready for Gonzaga to win because I wanted to let all my deep cut Spokane, Washington tweets fly, and I still got a couple of them out there. But that I, sounds I was, awful. <laughs> I was no Spokane, Washington is a terrible place. Um, no disrespect to anybody who lives there, but I've spent time there, and I know, so don't disagree with me. But th- for for that reason, and you know, thinking back to Adam Morrison collapsing on yes. the court and things like that, I, I wanted to see Gonzaga win. I was, or at least have it be a game. Yeah, I remember Gonzaga. It always felt like they were always the Cinderella team, or yeah. this was the year. This was the year. But yeah. them being undefeated, you thought that maybe this was really the year. And Baylor just poured it on. And then when Gonzaga was like shortening the gap and and chipping away at it, a yeah, bit. chipping away at the score, they just had to answer every time. So I'm chipping away, man. I'm still chipping away at the gigantic hole that I put myself in when I bet against Gonzaga at the start of this tournament. I'm selling selling Roshi runs. Somebody bought a pair of Roshi runs for me on resale the other day. Who who in 2020? 2021. <laughs> which which one? Me. Which which, which <laughs> colorway was it? Squadron Brandon? blue Roshi runs for retail. I, I was wow. I felt like I hit the lottery, man. The shoe that yeah, that shoe that that had a crazy moment. And now looking back, people hate on it, but man, did that have a moment? It's it's probably like someone Brendan who bought that shoe like four or five years ago, and that was and it's like some mom that's like, oh, th- these are my favorite sneakers. You know, you I, so? I need another, I need another pair of these. I won't wear any other shoe. I love Not my Roshi's. You know, person at all? Yeah, maybe. Yeah, and they and they finally found them for sale, and they left upon your stock exiting. The weird sneaker rabbit hole that I went down. And I think I've told you guys over the past week is like there's multiple YouTube channels where it's like behind the scenes at sneaker resale shops. Yeah, and it's like, been like vlogs, vlogs, uh, uh, kind of. It's like there's multiple channels that they do it where they set up like a, a camera on the counter of yeah. like these buy and sell resale shops. And like it's the customers coming in with like six pairs of shoes and like they're trying to make a deal with like the shop owner. Like Pawn Stars. Kind of. Yeah. Like okay. but, but sneaker resale. And obviously these stores are, well, not obviously, but these stores are trying to buy the shoes and then sell them instead of consign them. Right. So like the margins are like way off on like what you would think you would get the shoe for. So gotcha. say it's, it's more so, like going into GameStop than it is going into Flight Club. Yeah. So instead of thinking this shoe sold out, sold on StockX for $400, 
I'm going to get $400 for it. They're like, no, we'll give you 280 for it, but we'll give you cash yeah, right cash now. Yeah, right there, just like or, round two would do. Yeah, but they're like taking like seven pairs of sneakers and like trying to like tra- bundle them up and be like, I want a pair of like Union Ones or something like that. And so like, can can they get store credit when they trade this stuff in? Is that how it works too? I think one of the one of the shops like gave them store credit, but like they'll give you more in store credit course, than they'll give course. than they'll give you in um you know actual cash. cash. But just to see these kids like take six pairs of shoes to get one of their grails is just like such a crazy concept of like trading all your sneakers for like three sneakers but hey man i'm trading all my sneakers away for nothing basically right now like i said trying to repay this gambling debt <laughs> it'd be nice to get a pair of jordan jordan ones out of it joe speaking of trying to win things don't you have a, a some sort of massive giveaway oh yeah i mentioned that last week the omaze giveaway yeah yeah, uh, Off-White Chicago 1. Still, you could still enter at www.omaze.com slash JLP. Thank you for plugging that, Welty. Still going on, and it's for a great cause. It benefits It's From the Soul. Great organization, It's From the Soul, and uh, good charity. And, yeah, I'm wor- we're working with Omaze, and so I'm really excited about it. Love that. we got to get another plug out of the way, too, just, just while we're in the zone. Okay. If you're listening and you haven't subscribed or you haven't commented or you haven't rated, please do us that small favor because it really does help and it really does grow yes. us as a podcast. So so hit the subscribe button, leave a positive comment about how much you appreciate what we're doing, and, and leave a rating, a five-star yeah. rating. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a big ask. Yes. And you guys shot that the week this week, Joel Santana. Yes, that episode will be out when this episode is out. How was that? I love that? that. It was it was amazing. I mean, like it's one of those ones where you just wish you were in the studio for it. But yeah, even still, it, it was a great conversation, and I think there's a lot of really uh, important moments. Oh, I mean, we got Joel Santana talking about ironing his bandanas. Like that alone amazing. is worth the the price of admission to me. Even if we just had that tidbit it'd be a good episode but we got so much more big dip set content week because if you were like me and my co-host brendan dunn you yes. sat three and a half hours and watched cameron on drink champs what an <laughs> interview what an interview wow if you haven't seen that shouts to nori go watch that what an interview great stories uh big dip set content week full size run Joel santana and cameron on drink champs so. Now all we need to do is get Cameron on Full Size Run. What do you think, Walter? Oh, you guys need that. Joe, what are you drinking on? I keep seeing you sip from this bottle. Manhattan Special. You guys know about Manhattan Specials? I yes. don't. It's, it's coffee, right? It's a, it's like an Italian specialty premium coffee soda. It's like oh. a, yeah, it's like an espresso. You need a if you need a, a, a afternoon pick me up. It's great for that. Hold on, hold on. That sounds too much like an ad read. We don't want to go that no, far with the not. endorsement. No, it's not. No, this is iconic. You could you trust me? Okay. okay. Yes, we do. We do want to go that far. Okay. There's, <laughs> we'll take there's, it even further. If, if you know, if you know, you know, this is okay. an iconic, iconic uh, drink. Yeah. I was jealous. I thought it was a root beer. It's really good. You would love it. <laughs> well, do you ever have one? Uh, no, but I I remember it from I think we mentioned it on here when you did that whole uh, my spot. Uh, plug on yes, complex.com back yeah, in the day, which ago. was Wait, kind of like that? a Broncaccio's food shop. Yeah. Of course, of course. An iconic yeah. editorial. I remember yes. that. Yeah, I and I was that. like, this is where I go for my Manhattan special, but that was my old neighborhood. But shouts to them and Still shouts to your ways. We, we it, to be honest, a Manhattan special uh get together for when we're all together would be a nice little 
little get together, Manhattan specials. Anyone you, anyone who tries it really loves it. As the kids would say, does it hit different? It does. It does. <laughs> can I have a root beer? It does. It does. When we do when we do the meetup, can I sub it in for a root beer? No, no, you can't. This is you, you're gonna. You've love never this. drinking coffee, right? You're, I, you're, I'm not, you're, never it had does, coffee. It doesn't taste like co- it doesn't taste like coffee. It tastes. Okay. Um, I would willing to say it almost tastes closer to like a root beer than a coffee. But I can't just have a root beer. No, I want you to drink. You could have whatever you want, but I would like you to try this as as a friend. I think <laughs> okay. that you would enjoy this. Okay. And I think if we phoned a friend, Premium Pete, he would also co-sign it. It's a I great drink. Trust me. Okay. Okay. I'm on board. All right, guys. Let's get to this week's guest. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, bit to get 30, bit to get 20, 20, 20, bit to get 20, 20, bit to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Our guest on today's podcast is one of the most prominent people in the custom design sneaker space. Since he was 18 years old, he has constructed and deconstructed some of your favorite silhouettes and made them his own for a stacked celebrity clientele. He first started remixing sneakers for his friends in high school, but it was a trip to New York City and an inspiring run-in with Pharrell Williams, where the shoe surgeon was born. Since then, he's gone on to create footwear for the likes of Justin Bieber, Odell Beckham Jr., Drake, LeBron James, and more. And besides the splashy roster of celebs that wear his sneakers, he also has consistent drops where he takes your favorite models like the Jordan 1, Jordan 4, and the Griffey 1, floods them with luxury materials and textures, and watches them sell out on his website. More recently, he has been spreading his talents to the aspiring designers through his shoe school, a three- to five-day crash course on everything from sewing and patterning footwear to lasting and sole removal. We're excited to have our friend Dominic Shambroni, the shoe surgeon, on today's podcast. Welcome. Thanks, man. Uh, I love that. I love the introduction. Appreciate Thanks, man. it. How you doing, How are brother? You, man? I'm good, man. I'm, uh, I'm good. <laughs> well, we're glad to we're glad to have you. I know that you were on this these guys show over what it was like a year ago. It was it was quarantine, right? Yeah, I was the I, I think I was the first uh, digital one. Yeah, yeah. I, I can't believe it was that long ago. It really felt like the summer, but yeah, I was looking at my notes this morning, and it was it was just over a year ago. 
Wow. And here we are that's, now. That's crazy. So, <laughs> still remote. <laughs> yes. You know, what's, what's funny is recently I was, I was out in Charlotte because I have family out there and I was, I was sitting down with, uh, my homie Josh who owns black sheep. And he was mm-hmm. like, yo, did you, did you hear the podcast with, uh, um, Middleton? What's his first name? Paul, Paul Middleman. Yeah. Middleman, excuse me, Middleman, and I was like, no, I was like, I mean, I'm so wrapped up in my my own world that I don't really listen to anything. And then next thing you know, I'm listening to that one, and I listen to Jerry's, and then I'm like, oh shit, this is really good. This is good information. So oh. it's kind of cool that it came back to me. Appreciate awesome, it, man. man. Thank you. Well, we're we're happy to have you, and we want to start with your early footwear history, the story of wearing the 1985 Jordan ones, your cousins. You borrowed your cousins, and I think you wore them to prom. Was that one of the first early sneaker memories for you? Yeah, I mean, before wearing the 85 Jordan 1s to fresh, it, it wasn't prom. It was freshman year of high school. Okay. Um, before that, I mean, I don't tell the story that much, but, like, I think it was it was middle school, and my parents, my mom would take me to, um, uh, like a Ross and we grabbed a pair of dad ass Supremes. Um, mm. and I sharpied <laughs> it, I sharpied it with orange so I could have my own color. But you know, after that, that's when I really got into sneakers was when I wore my, my cousin's original 85 Jordan ones to high school. And like, I mean, you guys kind of know what that feeling is when, mm-hmm. when you tell it to random people, they don't understand. And that's why it's just crazy that, you know, just because of wearing these, uh, the originals, like I actually mm-hmm. wore the originals to high school. So all of the older, my brother was a, was a jock. He had a bunch of old, you know, friends. So everyone just kind of gave me love without having to say anything other than what I had on my feet. And it was just crazy. The power that those shoes had, I didn't, I, when I put them on, I didn't truly know what it, what it meant until like, you know, you get that, the love from everyone else. What kind of condition were they in? They were, I mean, they were, ye- they were in pretty damn good condition. They were yellowing, you know, but other than that, um, they were, they were pretty good condition. I mean, I had to squeeze my feet into them cause they were like a size eight and I'm a, I, I'm a nine. <laughs> you it's know, it's kind of scary when you're, with those when you're 85 younger, Jordan ones squeezing into yeah. them cause they have the crunchy collar, right? If they're too oh, vintage. Well, you're like, oh. That one, it wasn't crunchy yet. Uh, a few, like eight to eight years later, they were crunchy. And then my mm-hmm. cousin gave me back gave them back to me and said, Hey, can you try to sell these for me? Or can you, um, can you fix these? And I was, you know, I'm building my building the business. So there's me trying to fix a collar on an 85 Jordan one just isn't worth my time. And I ended up having a friend hold on to them, um, to help me sell them. And he lost them. No, lost them. Air quotes. Wow. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> and I was, and then he gave me like 300 bucks and I was just like, what? How does the sneaker seller guy lose a pair of nineteen eighty five Jordan ones? And mm. it, it's crazy too because everyone now would recognize if someone was wearing nineteen eighty five Jordan ones. But I feel like if I look back in my head, like if I had nineteen eighty five Jordan ones, because I think we graduated high school in the same year, two thousand four, right? And but if I had worn those in high school, I, I mean, me personally wouldn't have recognized what a nineteen eighty five Jordan one was, you know, during that right. period. Right. Yeah. I mean, people just thought it was, a, I mean, a lot of people was just like, oh, this is a Jordan one, the Chicago Jordan one, but like the original was just a whole different volume. Yeah. The other thing too, I feel like you're just talking about some people wouldn't necessarily know, but the people who do know, it kind of speaks to how exclusive those things were back then, or the, the whole sneaker scene wasn't uh, a given for somebody in high school. 
Right. There was, I mean, there was only a, a select group of us that were into it. And it's like, I mean, I mean, you get, it's just crazy where it's at today and where people are now wearing mids to be, you know, mids are selling out. And it's just like, it's just, it's just, it's insane. And that's also kind of why I started doing what I do. Mm-hmm. You know, I think there's something magical about, you know, having an authentic pair of Jordan ones and like getting that one. But now it's just such a game and a business that it's like, that's why I started creating my own shoes in high school. It was because I wanted that special feeling that I could create myself. And now since then I'm teaching people, all people, not just, you know, I think I, I tend to say kids, but the people that take the classes are just people that want to create. And there's something magical about creating something. And it's, um, and the way I, the way I teach is I give a nod to Nike and Jordan. Um, I remember being 18, 19 years old and like being one of those art, you know, an artist that like hated everything, like hate mm-hmm. Nike, hate everything. I was wearing Vans, which Vans was a corporation too. So it was like, didn't, <laughs> didn't matter. And then to come back to realize, just be like, you know, the older I got was like, yo, I'm without Nike and Jordan and like putting those shoes on. I wanted to have found my love and my craft and I would have went down a very uh, negative dark path. Like without what the magic from what shoes were already becoming because of Michael Jordan and how his legacy made Nike what it was as well. Like I wouldn't have found my art and now I'm able to give it back. And it's like, it comes full circle and, you know, anything I do is, is out of respect to the, the brand and to the, to what they've done for me. And you, you bring up Nike and one of the first custom shoes you made was in high school. It was an air force one mid that you turned camouflage. What was, how did that come about and how was it? How good was it? Was that when you were like, wow, I'm impressed with my own talent. It was for a friend, right? No. So that one was actually for me. So that was the first, that was the first pair of shoes that I, customized technique. I mean, that really got into it. So, I mean, I was collect, I was wearing the thing about me was I wasn't just like all Jordans or all Nike. I had shell toes. I had, uh, K Swiss, like I had Timberlands. I had everything like that was a way for me to separate what, how I looked from everyone else. I mean, a lot of my friends only had Jordans and Nikes, but I had everything. Like one day I looked like Justin Timberlake wearing one of those like hat bibs and the next day i was wearing like a tall jersey like it didn't matter like i was just able to change the way i dressed because of the way i I felt um which caused a lot of problems caused a lot of fights a lot of people said things to me that didn't uh didn't make me feel good so ended up in the fights and stuff but uh not over the, the fights weren't over the sneakers specifically, but just because it, it, you were in this high school mode where you had to be in people one box. Called and people called me gay. People yeah. called me gay. People called me like I kept my my shoes so clean that people were just like didn't understand like what I, like who I was and what I was doing. Like one time, some guy called me gay and I slapped him in the face like like a hard hit. Mm-hmm. Um, you know this was just a way for me to ex- express myself. I didn't know. I, I mean, I'm, I'm 15, 16, 17 at that time. So I didn't truly know what feel my feelings were and why I was doing what I was doing. I just did it because that's what felt right. Um, so no, it wasn't about the shoes, but like, you know, a lot of the times these people would want to fight and I'd like, nah, man, these shoes are worth more than, <laughs> worth more than 
Your whole your whole outfit. I don't want to. Yeah, I can't afford shoes. to fuck these up right now. <laughs> right, right, right. But um, no, the first pair of shoes that I painted, I I just I had an airbrush, like a cheap airbrush from Michael's Arts and Crafts. I had model paint, which model paint is for the metal or plastic. Mm-hmm. And I just airbrushed in my room on a desk these all white mids into just a camouflage. It's like, and fuck, I wish I could recreate those. I mean, they, I wore them to school and everyone flipped out. And the paint fell off right away because the, you know, it's, it's not meant for that. Yeah, it's not meant for that. So then as soon as that happened, I was like, oh, this is cool. I can get that feeling. But it switched from like, just wanting to make art to like, oh no, I need to figure out how to make this last forever, um, which was an ongoing search. I mean, even to this day, it's just like this endless game. Like even the shoes to, to this day aren't good enough for me. Like nothing's like this, this strive for perfection. What I've recently learned is like, it's okay that, you know, being perfect isn't perfect all the time, especially when you do something by hand, even, even in a factory, like, I can I can pick up a Nike that's in a in a, in a Foot Locker and I can see something that went wrong. Mm-hmm. Things go wrong, and that's that's what people need to, to realize. I mean, even I recently had a tattoo from a tattoo artist, and he's just like, "There's no such you can't have a perfect line on a skin. It's just not it's not possible. We can strive for that, and you can you know over time it's going to just look different. So it's a lot of uh, yeah. So anyways, I went from you know model paint to oh shit how do i find better paint and there was like this older customizer guy in our city he was like the guy and he went by the ghost it's kind of cool that is elusive like ghost so i was like oh i gotta meet this guy ghost um through a dj and then i met him and i was just like yo i want to like you know tell like i want better paint and so then we we drove to berkeley to this store called turtle feathers and we grabbed some leather paint and that's when I started painting Air Force Ones with Angelus paint um, by hand. And uh, we did that through high school. I just didn't love that because, like, I could see my paint strokes. Mm-hmm. I could um, – I just didn't love painting. So I, my grandmother bought me a home sewing machine, and I started sewing. Uh, sewing. I'd cut shirts open and sew inlays, and then I would sew swooshes and glue them on top of an Air Force One. And uh, – that was like the beginning of me trying to figure out how to cut and stuff. After that, you end up moving to North Carolina. And I believe you said you got a job at a no fear store, which I think is like an epic part of your, uh, your, your journey. But you had said that you like displayed the sneakers that you were making at the time, like in the store. And that's kind of when you first started to get noticed, like trying to sell them to customers who were shopping at the store. Yeah. So, um, I moved to Charlotte, North Carolina, which is the, it's the South. So it's so much different than Northern California. You know, I come from the Bay Area um, and there was a lot going on in San Francisco. But when I went out to Charlotte, it was just a different, different beast. Um, I first got a job at Harris Teeter. Harris Teeter is like a, a grocery store, like a Safeway or a Whole Foods. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I was making better money there. But then I was... I was going up the escalator. I used to go, I was a mall rat. Like I used to work at the mall back in high school. And then like the mall was the place to go. That's where the culture was coming from. At the where time. were you eating? What was I eating? I feel like that's an important part of mall culture or, is the food orange court. Julius. You know? <laughs> yeah, no, so I would get an orange Julius here and there. I like hot dog on a stick every once in a while, but there was that, 
there was the it was always like the Asian places in the mall that you yeah. could get like chow mein yeah, the best. and like you put Sarku <laughs> Express, right? Sarku yeah, Japan pandas. was amazing. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, yep. go on. Those, those, those are the places I was eating. I mean, here and there I'd get something else, but that was definitely it. So no, going up the escalator. Go, uh, so I was so b- coming from Northern California. Um, all, everyone in my hometown had NorCal tattoos. I was born in Orange County, so I thought I was from Southern California. So I ended up getting a Southern a, a SoCal tattoo on my forearm, and I was so I was going up this escalator, and I had like my arm out. I mean, it, I covered the tattoo since, <laughs> but. I had it out and it just said it was showing SoCal and the manager saw this SoCal tattoo and he like came up and ran up. He's like, yo, that's a cool tattoo. He's like, yo, come check out the store. So I went into this no fear store, which they were selling SoCal t-shirts at the time. And, uh, I went in, I was just like, Oh, cool. He's like, yo, what if you, you know, came and worked here? I was like, that'd be sick. So then I ended up getting an assistant manager job and, um, yeah, then I started bringing my shoes inside there. And that was tough because they, they monitored their cameras so much. Like the owners would be able to watch what, like, they would watch you. If you don't pick up three pieces of uh, items to try to sell, like, you would get written up. And so I had shoes at the front that I painted for clients out in North Carolina, just kind of displaying, just showing people when they came in. Um, yeah, man, it was, it was a funny time. At that time, I had like long surfer hair, but I also wore tall tees. I had a grill. I had like a cubic zirconian bracelet. I had mm. cubic big cubic zirconian earrings. Um, one time, this girl came into the store and she just came in and she was just like, "You know what? You you remind me of something." And I said, "What?" And this is when uh, that song came out. She's like, "You remind me of that that song, Icy." <laughs> Gucci yeah. Mane and Jeezy. Gucci Mane. That's it. Was all over the radio at the time, yeah. and I was just—I didn't know what to think. I was just like, okay. <laughs> like, Did you ever get in trouble for displaying your sneakers there? Because you were saying that people could watch you on the cameras. Did management ever get upset that you kind of were helping out your own business while being at work there? I don't believe. I don't remember if I. I don't think I got caught. Like I think I, I was friends with the manager enough that I would just do what I did and. uh you know, I knew I, what I was doing. I, it wasn't like me trying to sell shit. It was me just trying to get my art out there, right? That was Instagram before Instagram, right? You know? I want to fast forward a little bit to the New York City trip and the Pharrell. Was it a meeting? Was it what? Give give some more context to it because it it, it kind of. I saw an interview with you and you kind of talk about it, but you don't go into detail, but. Give us as much detail as you can on that New York City trip. Yeah, so living in California, you if you want to go to Southern California, you're driving six hours to get to California. When you live on the East Coast or over on that side, which you guys probably know better than me, it's just like you can go to another state. Like that's a different world. So we're in Charlotte. We're like, oh, let's just go to New York City. It's, I don't know, six to eight hours, whatever. We drove up there and – um we went to the Bape store. Just we're like, oh, we want to check out Bape. We want to check out. Um, I can't even remember some of the, the stores, uh, but there was it was Bape. So we go to Bape, and there's a line, and then like we get there. I think it was the first we go straight to Bape from you know that long ass drive. We get there. Pharrell Williams is outside with his big ass security, um, and Pharrell Williams was just the the guy that like inspired me in high school he inspired me because he wasn't 
you know, he didn't just play sports. He, he was into music, but also fashion, and more rock. And it was just like more underground kind of style. So when I, when I, uh, I, I ran into him and you, I mean, you can't even explain the energy that comes from New York city. Like, you know, LA is just a whole different energy. New York city, just unexplainable. So the energy was already crazy running into Pharrell just randomly at the bake store. I'm like, Oh, I wanted to buy some babes. And of course, babes, you couldn't even buy babes. They were selling out at the time. And then I'm in the store. I'm trying to buy the sweater. Hype Williams bought the sweater that I needed that I wanted. And this is just like, what the fuck? How did, you know, I'm just a kid from a small town and like, yeah. yeah, I have big, big dreams, but it's like, this is, I can't believe this is real kind of thing. So I took a photo with Pharrell. Um, my brother was stoned at the time. And my brother was the one that actually, he was my older brother. He was the one that actually showed me lap dance and like the like NERD. Um, and my brother was stoned and like he uh, he was stumbling and like ran into Pharrell and the bodyguard yeah, suplexed he, him or what? Yeah, almost. <laughs> <laughs> he said, like, I don't even know who that guy is. And I said, Man, that's Pharrell Williams. Remember the lap dance? You showed me all his music. And he's like, Oh, shit. And you know, my, brother, my brother's a stoner. We had to. I can't. What's that fast food spot over there that everyone eats out there? That the small burgers. I can't even think of the name. What, uh, White not White Castle. So White we Castle. ended up going to White Castle. Anyways, it was the whole thing. But we ran. Yeah, we just. It was just like this crazy magical experience. And across from the Bape store, there was a Louis Vuitton event going on that Pharrell was at, and I was just like, "What is going on?" And I'm in I'm in New York City where people would come up and talk to me because I dressed a certain way or I looked a certain way. They're like, "Yo, what's up?" And, you know, in, in California, it's not like that. You don't get mm -hmm. people just like, you yeah. know, what up? Like, you know, how are you doing? It's It was just a different thing. And it was it was just such a magical experience that that's when, like, everything, like, came to fruition. Like, we had a small uh, hotel uh, in Times Square. And um, I was that's when I just kept writing down names. Like, I, I need to come up with a business name or I need to come up with an alter ego. Uh, and that's, you know, I was like, well, okay, well, what do you do with shoes? It was like, shoot, like, what do you do? You're a doctor. Like, what are you doing? You're fixing these things up. And it came into surgeon. And originally it was shoe surgeons. Cause it was me and my, uh, my friend who was a DJ at the time. And, uh, it kind of just stuck. It was shoe surgeons, with the money sign in a Z. And it's just all of that, that whole experience was like just something so magical that like the energy was just unexplainable that, that helped me find my voice or my, my name um, at the time. I mean, and then it took, you know, 15 more years to like get to where I'm at. But at the same time that there was a, a starting point that me running into Pharrell that, you know, you're seeing things on the internet, you're seeing things on TV. There was the, like, I, I couldn't, I could meet anyone in the world, but meeting him was just something uh, aspirational, aspirational of just like, that was the, the 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 one person, you know. And it was by chance. You just happened yeah. to be in New York. It's not like, oh, Pharrell. There's a Bape event, and Pharrell's right. going to be at it. It was like you pulled up downtown, and Pharrell happens to be at the Bape store. Wow, interesting. Have you met him since? And like to talk to him about it. I, I ran into him at like an agenda show, um, just in passing, and then uh, and then eventually uh, they hit hit me up to make a pair of uh, boots. Um, couple times you know but i haven't really been able to connect with him i think on that on that level 
So I want to know, you, you said that that event kind of gave you the inspiration or gave you the ideas for what this thing could become. You had the name sketched out. From there, what did you do in terms of next steps and turning it into your business? Um, so once I had the name, when I was back, when I was back in North Carolina, I, um, I went to a streetwear store. It was called Niche Market, and it was across the street from Black Sheep Skate Shop. So it was like this little cool little culture and he had like Stussy and like you can't find Stussy in the mall. Like, so this is like, you know, finding the dope dope shit outside of the mall now, right? It was from like Von Dutch to um what else was going on there? Ed Hardy Pants. I don't know. It was mm-hmm. it was a mess. But then I found like these little streetwear stores. So then I went into the store and I said, Hey, I want to customize some shoes for you. Like can you give me a pair of shoes? You know, built a little uh relationship with him and he's just like, sure, whatever, like you know, I think he was thinking that I was going to come back with Air Force Ones with rhinestones and like, you know, different checks. And uh, he gave me a size seven Vans Chukka, all white, mm-hmm. because he knew he wasn't going to sell it. And uh, so I took it, went to a leather store, um, found out about lasering and lasered like shoe surgeons on it and took it to a shoe repair shop. And they, they, um, sewed the suit the vans logo on the side of it I, and then they picked I, pick, I was able to pick it up in three days after it was it was done and it was just like mind-blowing that i can have an idea and then it could be made and then i was like oh i'm gonna do this myself i saw that they were able to sew on top of the shoe and uh i could figure that out too so i got in trouble in charlotte and ended moving back to northern california and uh, that's when i started looking up shoe repair shops so the first part was like to look at it as a business was like um, schooling and learning. I had mm-hmm. to figure out how I could figure out how to sew on top of the shoe because I was tired of painting. There's already people painting a lot shoes. of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And like it was in, you know, in, in Nike talk, it was, it was uh, in sneaker freaker books. It was, it was all over. And it was like, no, like I need more. Like I wanted to, I was looking for something that wasn't being done. Um, I still loved it. I loved for what it was. And it was still to this day, what it is like, there's huge, it's a huge craft and it's a huge art. And now we have a full-time um, painter on our, on our crew in the, in the studio because you need it. But um, I went, I moved back to Northern California and I started looking at shoe repair shops. The first shoe repair shop I went to, uh, the guy just cursed me away. He said, fuck you, get out of here. You're going to steal my business. And I mean, he's probably like 50 or 60 at the time. I'm 18. Mm-hmm. And I was just mind blown that someone can just curse you away um, for wanting to learn something. Um, but the same day, I went down to another shoe repair shop and I, and I asked him, I was just like, hey, I mean, have you guys been to a shoe repair shop before? Any of you guys? I actually have a, like, just really quick. I was trying to do a journalism project on shoe repair shops in college. And I had the exact same experience where I was like, Hey man, I just want, I just want to talk to you and like interview you for like 10 minutes, you know? And like you said, it was like a guy who was like in his sixties or whatever. And he was like, I don't have time for you. Get out of my store. You know? So it's like, it was the exact same. Cobbler uh, mentality. Yeah. It's not, it's not glamorous, man. You're, you're smelling glue all day. You're, You're with chemicals. You're charging dollars. If not, you know, a few bucks just to fix a pair of shoes where people are trying to haggle you on fixing their shoes. So it's like, it's not a fun industry or it wasn't at that time. I mean, there's still, it's still not that fun. Like the guy that 
the second guy went to, he's in Santa Rosa and he's still smoking cigarettes inside the suit in the space <laughs> with blue and everything. And I'm just like, what is going on? There, there's definitely going to be a resurgence. And this is kind of what I pitched Nike. And I really think this is Nike, what Nike should be looking for is how to repair their product just because it's already being repaired by restoration artists and customizers. Mm-hmm. If Nike want, and, and the most sustainable thing in the world is not making more product, but that's also not going to happen. So the next most sustainable thing is repairing, right? right. So it's like P- Patagonia, you send back your stuff, they'll repair it. Mm-hmm. Um, if Nike did that, that would be just a, a world game changer because people are already doing it. You know, imagine like a, a shoe repair shop that's more new age where Nike's, you know, it's, you know, Nike, you can get, you know, you have your old 1985 Jordan 1s. Yeah. And they're and crusty like and they're get, crumbling around the collar. Yeah, you can bring it to, to this spot, spot that's certified yeah. Nike or whatever. And it's like, you can get it fixed by a certified person. I, I do think that's going to be the future. Um, I've already built out a couple concepts for it. Um, it's just also not... It takes a lot of labor, so that's why you have to build a school to to figure out how to get the people that want to do the work. Yeah, Dom, I want to know too. While you were building up the business, how many sneakers were you buying on a personal level, or like what were your interests in terms of sneakers? Because I know just going back to high school, real quick, you were super into Jordans back then. Not just the eighty-five pair, but you had people backdooring sneakers for you out in Vallejo, right? You were getting sneakers yeah. kind of as early as you could just to flex. So. How into sneakers personally were you in these different eras? I mean, I didn't have that much money to spend on it. So I would have like one pair of, well, I had a few pairs of Jordans. Like I had all of the, the patent leather ones that came out in, in 03, 04 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. Um, but then I, I didn't, anything I bought was like for me to wear. I didn't ever sell anything. Um and then that's when I got into vans. I started like working at vans. So I was able to get a bunch of vans for, for next to nothing to just practice on. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it just really became, I mean, I loved shoes and what they were for. I just didn't, all my money went from like spending money on shoes of like how I could wear and be cool to like, okay, how can I, how can I learn how to do this? How can I learn my art onto these shoes? So I was, you know, buying vans and other things. And I'd still, you know, maybe buy some air force ones, but I think I stopped buying Jordans just because it started becoming so hard. And my focus really just went from, okay, why, you know, I wore this pair of shoes. It made me feel this type of way. Mm-hmm. Now, how can I recreate it? So I knew I could recreate it from just like feeling it. And then it, it, it kind of went away of like me wanting to wear my stuff even to this day, it's like, I could care less about wearing my shoes. It's I, I love making product. And now where I'm at even today, it's like, I love teaching people how to get that feeling. That's more rewarding for you than actually wearing a shoe you designed or having a limited yeah. shoe somebody else designed. Yeah. It's, it's such a, it's a, it's an interesting place where I'm at, where it's like, it, originally it was because of the special shoe because of this moment. And now it's like, I just want to give people help, give people the empower them to, to build something for themselves when it's not even just about the shoes. When you come take these classes, it's like you come and like learn the process of shoemaking, which it technically is a crash course that actually works. Like a lot of these students are making 
crazy shoes now, whether it's for themselves or a business. Uh, and that's like my biggest accomplishment is like, I was able to at least unlock that because it took me 10 plus years to like put all of these pieces together. No one was just like, here's the, here's the, here's the, here's the, this is how you do it. So now that I'm able to give people the introductory of like what you can do, how you can do it and then see where you take it. Mm-hmm. Like that's the biggest blessing. And, and the biggest thing from these classes is like, I, I get to be myself. I'm not um, trying to be someone I'm not. I'm, I'm telling them about my struggles and all of these tough things that I've gone through. And even to this day of what I'm going through and how to be good to yourself, how to, um, how to be a better human for not only yourself, but for everyone around you. And like these classes are, um, uh, very magical in the sense that like I get to connect with strangers from all over the world with different backgrounds, different purposes, different reasons why they came to take this class. Some of them want to learn how to make sneakers. Some of them love sneakers. Some of them don't even care about sneakers. They just want to make something and you get them all in the room. And then it's, uh, it's, it's such a cool experience. Yeah. I want to go to 2011 when you start working with Justin Bieber and there was even like the label of like Justin Bieber's personal sneaker customizer. <laughs> Talk about yeah. how that came about. I think it was like through Android home. Yeah. yeah. And, and what was it like working with Bieber and kind of the reaction that you got that when people were discovering that you were working on shoes for him? Man, 2011. This is crazy because this this all comes full circle again, but it's like, so I built a relationship through first. I I found out about black scale. You guys all know black scale, right? And he's from San Francisco. So I went into a store. Then I saw this black scale collab with Android home. I see this shoe and I'm just like a $300. It wasn't Louis Vuitton and it wasn't, you know, uh, bands. Right. So it was this in between a fashion that you could be more, you can be more original where you don't have what everyone else had. So, that was my introduction to um, Android Home. So then I found Javier Laval, founder and designer of Android Home, on Facebook. Befriended him on Facebook because I'll go reach out to anyone. Like I don't, if someone wants to say "fuck you," as you've seen, I don't care. Like <laughs> say "fuck me" multiple times. It's not going to stop me from just like wanting to learn. Um, so I reached out to him. And then we built some kind of digital friendship on Facebook. He saw that I was customizing shoes here and there, and then. He reached out to me a few months later. He wanted shoes for Will I Am for the BMAs. So I made a pair of shoes for the BMAs. Um, at the same time, I already I was getting hit up by Law and Order SVU. I was making shoes for Law and Order SVU, and I was also making shoes for H. Lorenzo in, in West Hollywood, one of the most high end you know stores out there. So I was doing all of this at the same time, all from different sources from me just doing what I was doing. So I drove down to deliver these shoes for uh, the Will I Am. And that's when I uh, I was with Javier and I ran it and they were in a meeting. He was in a meeting with Justin Bieber's stylist. And that's when I got connected with Justin Bieber's stylist. And then they hit me up a few months later. And then I started making shoes for Justin Bieber. And, you know, I'm what, how 2011. So what am I, 23, 24? And, you know, I'm pretty... You know, you think you're the shit at that age, or at least I did. I thought I was like this cool fucking guy. You know, the ego was really like, which I think part of that ego is what you need at that at a certain part in your life mm-hmm, to like mm-hmm. think that you're this crazy yeah. thing to help develop it. Um, but yeah, I mean, I was yeah. They, 
Well, what happened was, so I started making shoes for Justin Bieber and then uh, they hit me up to do like 10 pairs in a, like, they're like, oh, we need 10 pairs by Sunday. And I was young. I was like, yeah, for sure I can do that. Ended up going crazy, ended up in a mental hospital, um, ended up waking up in the hospital to then seeing uh, the upscale hype pick up uh, Justin Bieber in my shoes. So then it became more in the blogs. And I was just like, I woke up to it in the blogs because first I was just making him shoot, like making him shoes for the tours. And that was cool. But then like when the blogs actually, when it was like notarized of like, yo, this is what he's doing. It's like more press on it. It made yeah. me feel special, like, oh, shit, I am doing that, you know? Like, people can hit me up, like, oh, make shoes for, you know, Pharrell, but it's like, if it's not out in the press and people don't see it, like, it was hard for me to believe. Um, but then, yes, yeah, so then I was making shoes for Justin Bieber and uh, a couple other, you know, people, and uh, I, wasn't too, I wasn't too hyped on it. I mean, I loved it, and, I, and I still to this day, I haven't met Justin Bieber, which I will eventually, Wait, you were making um, all these shoes for him, and you never met him? He was fi- he was like fifteen. He was on tour. He was <laughs> he was getting pushed to his limits, and I yeah. was like trying to you know I was like the first. I mean, there was like places in Hollywood where you can go and bring shoes to customize, but like I was like the first name behind yeah. things, right? So you're you're probably getting all these calls at this at the same time. You have other clientele building and building more famous people who want, like you said, ten pairs of shoes by Sunday. Yeah, so it was just it was cool, but so then it became known as like the just Justin Bieber, uh, custom you know artist, and it was like that's not what I wanted to be known as. Like, you know, I respected what who he was and what he was building, but that's not who I I didn't want to be known as that person. You know, people are like, oh, you're the guy that made shoes for Justin Bieber, and it's like that's that that wasn't the that's not what I want people to know me as. Even to this day, like I don't even now that I'm building the brand, I don't want to even be just known as the shoe surgeon. Like I don't. I don't want to be like, I love building the brand, but at the same time, I just want to be known for who I am and shoes aren't, don't define me. They help create a voice to get me where I'm at today. But my, my vision and my, my life goals are much bigger than just shoes. I think I'm grateful for everything that allowed me to get to this place, but it's like, it's just, it's bigger than that. And part of me like thinks about that, like seems like I'm constantly like trying to create something and then run away from it. Mm. You end up doing shoes for Drake. I know we spoke about it on Full Size Run. You did the Stone Island Air Jordan 12s, but you also did like the Cactus Plant Flea Market looking Air Force Ones that you also made a pair for Joe LaPuma. Um, Yes. (laughs) Can you talk about how, how you ended up doing the Drake sneakers? The first ones or which ones? The the uh, the Jordans with the Stone Island badge on yeah, the back. Yeah, so I mean, a lot of the stuff just a lot of the stuff is just like comes as an idea, right? They're like, okay, so a few a few ways, ha- different ways happen. Like, eventually, Pharrell reached out to me to do a pair of boots, right? Which was a dream, like, right? And then for this Drake thing was like, I just remember being in my, in my garage, always like trying to practice them. Even I was making shoes for Justin Bieber, listening to Drake's music and Rick Ross and all of this music. I was like, eventually I'm going to make shoes for them. Like, so for the Drake one, it was just like, it was from like a, I knew he was into Stone Island. I mean, everyone knew he was into Stone Island. Um, 
I knew, you know, he had the OVO 12s. Um, so I like just, I would, I piece that idea together and I ended up putting it out there. And then, then they, then he hit me up directly and he's like, these are cool, but I like black. <laughs> so the first ones were blue. The first ones were blue, like super colorful. And it's yeah. like definitely not his style, but the, I, that like, they look so beautiful. So then he came back and he's like, Oh, these are cool, but I like black. Um, which actually I got to find those blue ones. Oh, I think he has them. But, uh, so then I ended up making the black ones and that was just the meeting Drake, that story. Like, I, I wish I could recreate a skit for that one. That shit was, what, what, what happened? Yeah. yeah. So they're at the, so, you know, I'm in LA, they're always in LA and, uh, they're at the peppermint club. They're at the show. They're at the, uh, Dave Chappelle and, uh, John Mayer show. So they, they hit me up. They're like, okay, we're in LA. Come, come to the peppermint club. Come bring the shoes. I'm like, I'm like, okay. So a few, you know, a, a couple hours later, I'm, oh, I'm driving to the peppermint club. I think my kids were asleep with, with my, my partners. And I was just like, yo, I got to go to this, the peppermint club. <laughs> She's like, okay. And, uh, so I pull up to the club. It's quiet. No one's outside. Um, pull up and there's like security at the front. They're like, uh, who, who are you here for? And I'm like, Oh, I'm delivering. Sh-. Right. <laughs> I'm like, you I'm delivering shoes for Drake. For and the, the, for the boy. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and he's like, uh, are you sh- okay? Um, one of the, luckily the, one of the guys at the door was like, Oh, he kind of knew about the shoe surgeon. And, um, they're like, they asked around. They're like, no, no, I don't think so. And I was like, so bummed. Like, fuck. Drake's security comes out the back and he's like, yo, I was like, I was like, he's like, yo, I know who you are. Yada, yada, yada. And he loved the sneakers already. So they, they, it was cool. So they're like, yo, come in. And so I go into the back door at Peppermint Club and, um, with the sh- box of shoes and I go in there and I'm just like, I'm just like, I can't believe this is real kind of shit yeah. still. I'm just like, what, what's going on? So Dave Chappelle's on there and it's like, I didn't realize Dave Chappelle, like in those shows, they make everyone cover their phones or put them away. Yeah, Because I, I went in the back door. So I had my phone out and stuff and everyone's like looking at me like, well, how's this fool have his phone? And I didn't realize like I wasn't supposed to have my phone. Like security's looking at me and I'm just like, I feel like I'm not supposed to have my phone. So I put it back. <laughs> but anyway, so, you know, Drake has a table in the back and I was like, what up? And I was just so kind of, there's a couple of times when I met celebrities where I was just like, you know, kind of like taken back. Like the other person that I met was a uh, DJ Khaled just cause he's, he was such a personality that mm-hmm. I, it like took, I didn't know how to even communicate anyways. So I see Drake. So I'm at the table. He's like, yo, you want to drink? And I was like, so just kind of scared. I was like, I, I don't, I don't drink. <laughs> <laughs> and then ended up just watching the show. Drake went on uh, the stage with him cause he was, he, they put him into the show and, uh, you know, I, I ran to Leahy was there and it was just like such a crazy experience to like, you know, deliver shoes at a Chappelle show to Drake, meeting Drake for the first time, meeting a bunch of the crew. And then, uh, yeah, just, you know, it feels like a dream. Like you said, though, your, your work is about a lot more than celebrity clientele and you have the school and but also you're making these shoes that kind of catch on in a bigger way and i think one of the ones was the python jordans because when you made that first pair of python jordans it turned into this whole trend within custom sneakers where there was this whole wave about it how did that happen and how big was that at the time 
this is what's crazy. It's full circle from complex, right? So like Joy Claire, who worked at Super at the time, who I got into contact from Bieber because Bieber was getting Supras. Me and her became, you know, friends. And then she got hottest uh, female in uh, sneakers. Mm -hmm. So I hit her up. I was like, yo, I really want to make you some shoes. And I was like, what's your favorite pair of shoes? She said the bread Jordan 4s. So I was like, okay. So I got the Brett Jordan 4s. They're all black. And I just happened to have Python City. Like I was someone that just loved materials. And I would have leather everywhere. I had Pendleton fabrics. I just had different fabrics around. Um, I never just had an idea. And like I didn't see the material. Like the way I built ideas was just like things were in front of me. And like it all just had to line up. And I would build it to life. So she loved the, the Brett 4. It was, I think it re-released around that same time as well, uh, 2016 or 14. I'm not sure. I think 14, uh, I want to say off the top of my head, but I'm not sure. Yeah, it, I think it was 14. So then I just put Black Python on her Jordan 4s, and that's when like Instagram was starting. I, I posted a photo on Instagram. I think other blogs saw it, other customizers saw it, um, other people saw it and then had other customizers make it and make it better. Like then it was like a race of like, how do you make better quality shoes? And then, um, yeah, man, that be, that became a thing because before, before that, no one was allowed to touch Jordans. Like Mm -hmm. you can customize air force ones all day, but like the Jordans, like don't touch those, you know what I mean? And it was like, I put that out there, love, hate, whatever, you know, whatever it may be. It definitely sparked, something to to have other people do it and to to you know to create it in more of an industry it it, it's funny dom because we actually had a moment um on our with our crew the other day where i think jay balvin had worn your like canary off-white jordan ones and we couldn't tell in the picture and we thought they were actually the he had gotten the Canary Off-White Jordan 1s before Virgil did, but then we realized that, that you had done those up yeah. beforehand. It was just kind of a funny moment. Yeah. No, it's – yeah. I mean, life is crazy. And for me to be able to create my art, whether it's, you know, a custom Nike and, you know, people say what they will about it, um, it's at least allowing I, – I know that I'm doing the right thing where I'm helping people. Uh creating and building with your hands is such a good, um, therapy for people. Eventually I want to get the, my schools into LeBron school. I want to be able to give it to the kids just cause I know at a young age, if I was actually able to have all this pent up energy inside me and actually build an idea to life, mm-hmm. like mo- a lot of people don't ever get to experience having an idea and seeing it in real, making real it a physical, physical. thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And yeah. that's like, you that's an unexplainable thing. So I know that I'm doing something right. And, uh, yeah, I think the industry is, I mean, it's going through a lot right now with fakes and, and customs and it's it's just, it's a crazy world. It's like, so you got to stay, you know, I'm, I'm working on staying true to myself and also, you know, why I started was to, was to help me through a tough time in my life now I'm able to help other people as well. 
I feel like we have to talk about what the industry is going through right now. Can we talk about Lil Nas X and the Mischief custom Satan shoes? Nike is suing Mischief mm-hmm. over these shoes, which are essentially customs. And I have the feeling that everybody who makes custom sneakers for a living, like you, is watching this case. Because there's not a lot of precedent for Nike, or maybe there is, that, that you've seen, but taking legal action against people making custom shoes. How do you feel about it? Um, how do I feel about it? I see Nike's standpoint, right? Mm-hmm. Nike is a brand that was built from a gar- like from a garage, just right. like you know, just a like lot your of operation. Brands. Yeah, people don't see that. People don't see where they started. They just see where they're at, and like, oh, they're a billion dollar company, yada yada yada. And it's like, yeah, you have to start somewhere. You don't just like that doesn't just happen, right? So, I see they need to protect themselves. Um, which also gives me like this, you know, this feeling of I, I, I'm in a gray area, right? What I do is I feel like I'm doing uh, everything uh, in the way of that would hold the integrity to the brand. That right. everything that I don't know if any of you guys actually, no, none of you guys have been in my office, but I have. I've had Nike guys come in the office. I've had all t- Jordan brand mm-hmm. and everything that we do. Everything in LA. And everything comes deconstructed from a Nike that I buy. Like if we do a pair of Travis mm-hmm. Scotts, I'm buying Travis Scotts at wholesale or not wholesale, excuse me, resale prices. Some of the Travis Scotts I'm paying between a thousand dollars and two thousand dollars just for the sole. I've been I've been asked multiple times, like make your shoes in China, you know, get get fake soles from China, and it's like that's where I that's where I put my foot in the ground, and it's like that's where I'll, I'll stop. Like, I don't need to, you know, it's, you know, I don't need to make the most amount of money. Like I could be making a lot more money, but that's, this isn't about the money and like the right. custom Nike stuff is, is really something bigger to me than, um, you know, just making a shit ton of money. There's just something more to it, which, you know, is going to come to developing my own original line, um, which I've been working on for, 10 plus years it's just this business has has grown so much that i can only handle so much at a time but back to your question i think it's i mean you saw what happened with warren loda which is completely different and then this one i just i just i just can't fathom 666 i can't fathom devil worshiping i do believe people have their own uh their, their right to to believe and, and do what they want but at the expense of a of, as a, a company like that where it what it did seem to be mis- misconstrued when it first came out mm-hmm. right it first mm-hmm. was like oh nike and Lil Nas x are selling these shoot like uh, people actually believe that 686 shoes. Yeah. I mean, you, I don't know if you, any of you guys saw all of the backlash that first part got Yeah. to then, like I was getting DMS from fr- old friends and people were like, yo, did you see what Nike did? And I was like, no, there's no way that's, that's not Nike. And then it comes into a, a whole um, conspiracy where people are like, they now they still think Nike did it. And it's like, <laughs> that's where Nike needs to, that's where Nike is, is, protecting themselves in a sense where they just they can't be getting taken advantage of and and they they need to tread lightly especially in today's culture is even harder for any company or human to 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 live and to like create a business there's so much cancel culture for doing one wrong thing and um 
that 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 whole that one's a tough one. Um, but when I see when I see when personally when I see six 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 and I just see, you know, I don't know, I haven't read in so far into the satanic worshiping and stuff, but I just can't see my, you know, that selling a product like that. Right. Right. Um, you know, and then I, I did a little bit more research and saw that, that that mischief company did a Jesus shoe. You know, I think it's just their way of marketing. Um, that was a huge marketing stunt, which I get it. It's just, uh, you know, I don't know that size of a company like Nike, like they need to, they need to protect themselves as much as possible. And, and they, they, like the more, the bigger that I've gotten in, in my side of the company, it's like, I see big companies and like, that shit is not easy. Like, you know, there's multiple people making decisions and like, they're trying to do what's best for the company and also what's relevant for, for the culture, because that's like, you know, kind of how they started. Um, so I don't know. What do you think about it? What do you guys think about that? I mean, I just think it's such a weird space for Nike to be in because it's clear that Nike appreciates customizers to some extent. And you mentioned the Warren Lotus lawsuit, and we talked about this last week. But in that lawsuit, Nike references that custom sneakers are, quote, part of sneaker culture. So it's 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 weird for Nike to all of a sudden be against one sneaker custom. But I, I understand why because of the trademark issue and the confusion around whether or not this is a legitimate Nike product. So I understand it to an extent. In Dom, I heard you say in the past that like you like you mentioned not wanting to do fake shoes, but you you know you've gone far as to say you just hate fake sneakers when you were talking about like infant Yeezys and whatnot, and you just don't want to support like a a product like that. So like you mentioned Warren Lotus, and like what is your thoughts on that in the custom world? Um. See, that's the difference between because I, I mean, I get when any of these things come up, I'm getting DM, I'm getting people messaging me, I'm getting people in the comments like, this is what the shoe surgeon does, this is what he does, and it's like, I don't do that. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm not making my shoes overseas. I'm not. Um, I mean, this the little Nas X is a whole new one. I just don't. The the I think the fine line with that one is just like satanic worshiping, and like for that me, that's just too much for me. Um, but I hold myself to a standard where everything that I do comes off of, uh, an authentic Nike or Jordan or Adidas, whatever the brand may be that I take apart. Sometimes I'm paying, you know, sometimes I, I mean, I spend a lot of money on stock X. I spend a lot of money, um, resale on souls. Um, and I'm recreating a top. So, I mean, there's, there's so much gray area in all of it. And at the end, I really feel like I'm putting, I'm buying the product um, authentically and then I'm refurbishing the top, right? Um, so you're not but, taking away a sale from Nike. You're still getting the Nike product. Yeah. And, you know, this is a tough subject to talk about because there's a gray area on my on my uh, on and what I do and what all of this industry, but now you're seeing all these fake, or excuse me, these knockoff Jordan one versions of yeah, yes Jordan, and you know there's people like Bobby Hundreds that you know he's saying this is great. Uh, that, that's what I've read that he he likes it. This is like the Wild West because that's the count the culture. But at the same time, it's like you're 
I don't know. We're off. It's, it's a tough situation. And I'm sure Nike and it's such a big corporation, like they trying to figure out how to, how to work with it all. Right. So, you know, I, I mean, I've had talks with, with Jordan and Nike where I wanted to, you know, I wanted to do, do all the custom shops and I want to do schools with them. It's, I think it's tough for a company like that because they need to figure out, you know, at what point do they need to draw the line and at what point, you know, can they still be part of the culture? It's, it's not, it's not easy to do, to be, to be anyone at Nike. It's it's not easy to be human, you know, at this time in in life um, for, for anyone is some people more than more so than others. But like, I also, yeah, I, I just, with what I've been able to build, like I'm looking at a big corporation like that, like, fuck, how do they do that? When you have to maneuver legally, you have to maneuver. You also have to be a part of the, the culture because that's, you know, what it, what it was about. And it's like, they also need to make money, right? They need, they, and with that money, it's not just like they're making money. They're, they're giving jobs. They are creating, um, something more than just the brand. And now, you know, there's resale which is a jobs off of that. Right. So that's another, another market that came from, from Nike in the, in, in the beginning. So I don't know. I really need to dive into that a little bit more and like, think about it. It's just, it's tough. And I see where they're, where it's tough for a company like that. Definitely. It's like a, it's an overarching situation, but they're all distinctively different in their own way. One thing I know we've talked a lot about celebrities and you making shoes for celebrities. I don't want to keep bringing it up, but we have to talk Nelly's custom dancing with the star shoes. That, yes. That, yes. That, I mean, so, so good. You got, how did that come about? I know I keep saying, how did this come about? How did that go? But this, this was really, when these went online, it was like, what is going on? And then figuring out that you did them. Turn the Jordans into dance shoes. Jordan 3. <laughs> Put a heel on it. Yes, Jordan 3 and the Jordan 11. We have to know how did those conversations start and how did that come about? So good. No, that one was a fun one because um, it was, uh, you know, it's a love-hate. And any of anything that I do is like a, a battle within myself too. Like, should I do this? Should I not do it? Why am I doing this? what's the purpose for me? What's the purpose for them? Like, what is the goal here? Um, Nelly hit me up a few years ago, um, for one of the, I don't know, something that I released. I think it was the beast pack. I think I don't the four. I think he hit me up. And a lot of these guys are, you know, message me, messaging me. And which is just so cool to me. Like I kind of geek out about it. Like I remember listening to their, their songs, this, yeah. and like, you know, so now I think it's, it's the same for them, but so he hit me up years ago and then like he hit me up, he DM'd me and um, I, I guess after the sec, after the first show, if, if anyone saw it, like they would talk, they were, they were like, yo, you need dance shoes because he was wearing 11s or something. Mm-hmm. Okay. So anyways, he, I get a DM and then he texts me and calls me and I'm, I'm in a class, I'm teaching a class. So I'm getting on, I'm, you know, I, he's like, I get a text from him from a new number and he's just like, yo man, I need you to help me out here. And then I look at the DM and then, then I'm like, well, he's on dancing with the stars. And I'm like, I don't even like, that's not really, I'm like, what dancing with the stars? Like, is that even <laughs> so awesome, that even talking about it's, so, it, it's so good though. Go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, no, it's great. And then I'm just kind of talking to you how my thoughts are happening at the, at how they're going. And it's just yeah. like Nelly, like what at dancing with the stars. 
And then I'm just like, get all, and then I slow down. I was like, yeah, this is cool. And then he's, and I, I'm like, yo, like I need to get on a call with you just to hear what you're looking for. Cause for me as a, sh- as a artist or shoemaker or shoe repairman, my goal is to solve a problem, right? So he had a problem. He wants sneakers, but he wants to be able to dance in them. So there's an easy way to do it where you grab a pair of sneakers and you just throw um, dancing suede chrome on the bottom of it and you can dance. But it's like, no, there's more to it for me. It's like, I don't want to just do a quick fix. So I called him. He's like, yeah. He's like, I just want cool sneakers and this and that, but I want to be able to dance in it. And then I was like, okay, well, how do you like dancing? What kind of dances are you doing? And then I'm calling around. The, the fact all that you're having this conversation this is with Nelly is, is, is like, awesome. <laughs> again, you in high school, wish, you know, <laughs> that sweet spot then, of country, country yeah. grammar. I know. Yeah. Here, not knowing 17 years later, you'd be having Definitely. a conversation like, okay, you're on dancing with the stars. What type of shoes do you need? That's insane. <laughs> the best part too, is just like, well, when, when we start making any of these guys shoes, we just bump their music really mm-hmm. loudly in the studio. So mm-hmm. everyone that's making the shoes or anyone is like feeling the music. Um, so the fir- I think what was the, th- was the first one, the 11? No, the first one was the three. Yeah. So he's in LA, they're filming in LA. I'm like, yo, can you get me a pair of shoes here fast? Cause he needed them by sun. Uh, he needed them by Monday and he, and I think I talked to him either Friday or Saturday and I like shit like that. I like shit that's just last minute. It like yeah. excites me. I mean, I've since learned to not like it so much because it also caused headache for everyone in the company, not just you. If you know, if I'm not the only one doing it, I have to ask for help. I have to like pull other people, stop what you're doing, which is not effective for business. But um, I like that's what excites me, and that's what keeps me going. So, anyways, he sent me a pair of threes, and then I'm like, "Fuck, how do I do this? Like, do I do it this way?" I called around every like dance shoe store in Los Angeles. And I'm like, fuck, how am I going to do this? I'm going to build the shoe, the, the sole from scratch. What am I going to do? Like, you know, going to the shoe repair shops of just like thinking. And, and what was great was I made a pair of dance Jordan ones for Odell Beckham, like a year later, or, or excuse me, a, a year earlier, just for him to dance with at Baker Mayfield's wedding. Oh, so I was like, Oh shit, I've already kind of done this. So I know like a little bit, but this is different. Uh, so then I go to the dance shoe, grab some dance shoes and rip it apart, you know, build it into the shoe. And he wore them and it worked. And they were definitely very ugly. And <laughs> I'm okay with it because I know that I my I was just solving a problem. He wanted dope sneakers on top and he wanted to be able to dance with it. So it's like, that's why design and shoemaking is, is tough in general. You can't just like, come up with an idea and it's going to be look good and work good. Like it takes years to like build it, go back to the drawing board, design it. And like, this is why Nike is Nike is it takes time to build greatness. You can't just like come up with an idea and like, it's perfect. Like even the stuff I built today, it's like there's, you need years of like wear testing. Sometimes you need, yeah, you know, you're using new materials, you're doing all this stuff. So, so being a speed producer, isn't always, uh, it's more, sometimes it's just more art. You can't ever, you know, expect something to, to be perfect, but yeah, that, that was just great because then he's like, all right, well, let's do the next one. And I was like, okay, well, let's try to get ahead of this. So I can <laughs> give me some you know, time, give me some lead time. I can, I'm not fucking, you know, I was working seven, seven days a week at that time just to, to do this for, 
for him and you know it built a bond between us and it was it was a fun project and it, it got the press i mean i got calls from the producers of the show just to be like yo this is great um so hopefully eventually i'm on the show myself just to just to, just to keep <laughs> it going cir- you know? another full circle yeah. moment Dom, before we go, I just want to ask you. So obviously you've done shoes for Adidas. You've done Air Jordan 13s for Jordan brand. You've done Pizza Hut sneakers. Um, But when are we going to get an actual manufactured shoe surgeon sneaker collaboration? Man, the the long answer, the short answer... uh... I mean, I have them on the table. It's just like me fighting myself of like, what is that? Because the shoe surgeon for me was never just like one brand. So it's like, I need to be able to collaborate with other brands because I'm a customization service. Um, Now that Jerry's over at Adidas has been really good for me because me and I I would consider us pretty, you know, fairly close in the sense that... um, We've worked on small things together, and it's just a cool to see him to be at the to help push them towards something. So then I built a, I'm back closer with Adidas again, and you know there could be something there. Uh, excuse me, my my daughter's freaking out right now. You know, there's something on the table with for Vans. I don't, I don't, I don't have that answer. Um, it's there's things been on the table. It's just like for some reason it's like. Either I'm scared of, of moving everything forward of where it could go, or I am not super hyped on what's on the table. But actual manufactured collaboration, I mean, now if we're talking about it right now, I mean, it takes minimum a year to two years. So if I decide on what I have on the table, then one to two years. I think I'm going to drop my original shoe before it just because I have more control over it. And that shoe that you said your original shoe's been like ten years in the making, huh? It's it's you know, once I went from like loving the Jordan brand shoes when I was younger to like vans and I was like then seeing the Android home black scale, I was like, Oh, you can just do your own shoe. I became more into design. Um a lot of the stuff that people see are you know, customized Jordans and Nikes, um, because that's what people want. Um but yeah, I've been working on original shoes for a long time. I've helped other I've designed uh, shoes secretly for people, uh, for different big brands. I've also helped launch people's original shoe brands. Um, you know, I mean, I got a good roster under, under there. So it's now it's just the time to, uh, I've built a good business, thankful to my team that where now I'm able to focus on this side of the, the part that I'm able to. So yeah, I think, I think soon. Awesome. Well, we can't thank you enough. Uh, love what you're doing with the, the school and with the country opening up. I'm sure there's going to be a lot more opportunity to, to get that in person. And so much history. We only we could do a whole part two and part three, but we can't thank you enough for taking the time and always excited to see your next project. It's always unexpected. Thanks so much for taking the time, man. Thank you, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Appreciate it, Dom. Our producer is Dave Matthews. Our associate producer is Jasmine Plata. Sound engineering done by Kyle Garvey. Special thanks to Jennifer Stewart and Shiva Bayet. The Complex Sneakers Podcast is a production of the Complex Podcast Network.